0: You're very welcome to another episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. I know you're going to enjoy this extract from one of our classic episodes with Amy Huberman. But to hear the full hour-long conversation and to get more deep-dive chats with hundreds of the greatest Irish people ever to have left our shores, along with our other series, Irishman in America, Irishman behind bars, Irishman inside basketball, men behaving better. There's so much more to enjoy over at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. It only takes a minute to sign up. There is no obligation. You can cancel any time you like and all of the doors swing open when you pay a little under a fiver a month. You'll also be have this spring in your step of someone who knows they helped a series like this survive and thrive through these difficult times. Our chosen charity partner on this show is always Jigsaw.ie because Jigsaw are a youth mental health charity that works really hard to provide Irish young people with the mental health skills they'll need to survive this life. Pandemic has thrown up all kinds of challenges for all of us, but you can imagine what it's like being a young person during this. In fact, Jigsaw has seen a 400% jump in demand for their services since the beginning of lockdown. With their phone line and their webinars and their new website, Jigsaw.e are making a huge difference back home across all communities. But they need your help, so why not take two minutes to go over there and see if maybe they can help you or someone in your life, or maybe you can help them through a small monthly donation. That's jigsaw.ie, the chosen charity partner of an Irishman abroad. That's the small talk, now let's get down to business. Now your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they have grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works.
1: I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game.
0: I could not have done the job I I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job. It's great to have you on The Irishman Abroad. There is, I suppose it's hard to know where to begin with with all of this. And the obvious way to begin with your story is is way, way back. But maybe the thing that I found in the past week in terms of looking up everything you do and all the various areas that you've kind of got to in some cases in a roundabout kind of way, having been a really artsy girl in school who kind of wouldn't allow herself go to art college, Yeah, wanted to keep her options open going to UCD to find yourself then with your own shoe line, with designing your own jewellery mm. and being this inverted commas style icon for Irish women, which is kind of the general accepted, accepted knowledge about you. Do you ever at times look back at the photos of you wearing X works oh, yeah. as a teenager and think, how is that the same person?
1: Well, it's funny because like I never look at myself in those terms at all. Like I I have always derived an enjoyment. Actually, not always. <laughs> Probably only as like an adult with disposable income. Not even in my 20s was I into fashion. I couldn't afford to be. And I didn't even have this innate love of it. I, w- I was more, it was more always the arts. And then... I don't know. I guess it did become a form of self-expression and one that I really enjoyed, and it was in my family because my dad was a, a designer. But I mean, ask him, God, he, you know, he at the pinnacle of his stuff. I was a teenager who wanted to wear X-Works jeans and, and bomber jackets and all he wanted to do was like make me a gorgeous coat and i was oh, like that no. must have been
0: heartbreaking he's for him devastated. he's a coat designer, coat designer and, and you were into the bomber jacket are, are <laughs> they the know. black ones with the orange on the inside oh
1: and it was not like i look back at those photos and i'm going you couldn't even tell if i was male or female <laughs> I, it was like it was all just about you know disappearing into what was this collective Teenage uniform, and I totally subscribed. I was never the girl who was like, Oh, she's doing her own thing, not at all. You know, I was following, I was in umbro hoodies, I was, I was, was even a teenage
0: baggy above all, it was all
1: baggy. I like teenage disco wear, you know, into probably even into university stuff was like a lumberjack shirt and the baggiest jeans, and like. I don't know like hiking boots. I'm just like <laughs> I don't I mean thank God we were all in them because there was and there was but there was a lovely innocence about that as well. I've always said this I don't think I I would have I mean I guess you do because it's all you know but I don't think I would have coped well in today's current climate with the pr- with that pressure I guess of an aesthetic that I just wasn't aware yeah. of at that age. I oh, well, wasn't they, aware of it.
0: They have so uh, like uh, Tina and I often like, go back to UCD and just have a look around and you're yeah. like, there's so many things available to them yeah. in terms of how they can express their style. And maybe that's Even it. Even ASOS alone. That,
1: maybe that's it, because I really think back, I know, I, like I, I, I lived in the 1800s, but it kind of nearly, the the difference between, it was just very different. Um there was an accessibility that was not there. And there was the high streets that came in. I mean, I even remember, this makes me sound 107, but even in terms of like, I remember getting the ferry to Hollyhead with pals of mine to get flavored lip balm and boots. That's how exotic it was. <laughs>
0: I was amazing. like, I
1: have cherry lip balm. So yeah, when it's you, it's not exactly th-
0: going north at the border to yeah. get contraception.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> it was like, lads, lads, we'll get the boat. We'll get the we'll get the boat. We're getting the boat over for the lip man. cherry
0: lip balm. Yeah,
1: it was amazing. And it was like, it was like, and you were so proud of like your boots bag. So it was back. I mean, and then I guess when you're dressing clothes wise, it was a little bit later than that. But I mean, there was oasis and there was stuff, but there wasn't. The, and also, I just. I, I, I didn't have any money. My parents weren't giving me money for that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a for, it wasn't something that I expressed myself through. I I just I can't even really remember. But I I think the older I got, I do I do love fashion. I really enjoy it. I don't in a way I don't want to be flippant about it by saying it's I don't take you know not I don't take it massively seriously. I do and I, but I derive enjoyment out of it. But it doesn't consume me. It's mm-hmm. been a lovely thing that I've. Um, I've kind of nearly feel like it's these little wing, winged jobs that I I've been able to kind of carry along with the with the main, my main loves. So it's it's been a real joy and probably an act of self discovery. One the kind of the things that I like and don't like, and but everything changes. You know, I look back even If outfits a worth three years ago. I was like, oh, I wouldn't wear that now. So you just you can't really take it all that seriously. You just kind of have to trust your instinct in some ways, and then you know enjoy enjoy it.
0: That, Amy, who is conforming and mm. wearing the lumberjack mm. shirts and the X-Works jeans, like you say, your parents weren't giving you money for it. So that kind of limits yeah. what was available to you. Yeah. Every time I hear you describe that uh, childhood that you had, it's not what a lot of people from other sectors or other backgrounds would assume that if your dad's a designer... Mm you know, you have a, a lavish upbringing. But everything I read, yeah, you seem to describe that, no, the ideal in our house was very little so that you appreciated what did come.
1: The truth of it all. And it's funny because no one has ever really said this. We didn't actually have a lot, but we were always we were always clinging on to kind of, I don't know, you know living in in you know and 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 they were, my 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 dad worked hard to kind of i think give us a life that he and my mum wanted to but i mean we moved by four times because dad was you know trying to make he worked for himself and he worked in an industry where you know he he constantly had to keep i mean nothing was a sure thing my dad left school as a you know, fourteen, fifteen. He by no means had, you know, they had no money growing up. And he grew up in a very different lifestyle in London with his folks. And his, his parents were immigrants from Poland. And it was a very different lifestyle. And they all kind of all my all the Hubermans, all, all of them over there, you know, kind of had to become self sufficient and, and find that life for him. So Dad went to St. Martin's College, night college. He kind of was always artistic but formed this life for himself. But there was years where things went well and years where they didn't. So we were all... No, we never had... We, we kind of didn't holiday abroad. We kind of sure. went down to Wexford and, you know, we lived in... I remember one of the houses we lived in was great but we didn't have furniture for like a couple of years. So it was kind of like this weird mix where we were and we weren't. And But, you know, I'd, I, I never really look back and see it either way. I think... um I, I admire my dad's bravery and then I think because he worked for himself there was years that like you know I said like anyone who works for himself there's years that are better than others and then you know you're looking about the economic climate in Ireland in those years you know some years were not great through 80s and all that kind of yeah, thing. Who's so Who's
0: going to buy fancy coats in yeah, the
1: Yeah well that's the thing and he sold a lot to the UK but there was definitely like it fluctuated quite a bit but I'm really proud of him that they managed to I don't know you know he just worked hard and but no it was definitely not it wasn't an upbringing of excess ever but i never felt it never felt that it was either or it was just our norm but I, i i feel like i have a huge appreciation for things and it was i mean even if maybe if we did have more maybe it was just in my parents way to not Give us too much. They, we were never spoiled like that.
0: Yeah, I certainly never got clothes at any other times of the year other than my birthday and Christmas.
1: Never. It
0: was two sets of clothes. And like your father, my father's industry from the outside, billionaire,
1: you mm, know, horse yeah. racing. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah.
0: He must <coughs> be like, you know, Magna or JP so McManus. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. In yeah. reality, just like your dad, it's a very small enterprise and driven by his work. Yeah. When you say there were good years and then there were leaner years. Yeah. Is a good year when he's come up with stuff that's really popular? Yeah, probably.
1: I mean to be honest, I was so young that I didn't I probably didn't know the the mechanics of how it worked, but I know he traveled a lot and I guess it was just about what collections sold or didn't. Um, it's incredible to yeah. so
0: think about. it. I know.
1: It. Because I know. I always thought it a was a small
0: really... player in a huge game oh my goodness like there's still the Chanel's of the world at the time
1: oh yeah and I mean obviously it was a different I mean everything ranks in and finds its own place so you're I mean it was it was a luxury item but that was still you know it wasn't kind of a it wasn't like a a brand like a Chanel brand so it kind of had to it had its own little niche and then I, I guess it was in a different time maybe as well where more stuff was getting manufactured here so mm. But yeah, it was all kind of accidental for him because he 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 came from London in the 60s and just wanted to stay six months. He was like, I am not staying in Ireland. And he keeps threatening to go home. So we're like, go on, go on, go back to <laughs> London then. It was never meant to be permanent for him. But yeah, it, you know, it wor- it worked. And I, I guess it's it, there's a similar thing there in what we do. It's just like, you love what you do and sometimes you don't know what's going to happen next. But I mean, I guess all you do know is that hopefully that you love what you do. And... Trust your instinct a bit. And, and if you've got, I don't know, if you've got the will to deal with the rejection, because I like that as well. Like he would, we talk about like, you know, going over to the States and thinking you're being promised the world and then not. And it is it is that it's a constant kind of it's a constant road of, I guess, discovery. That's that sound it. But it, you know, it, it was, and there's there's highs and lows to that, and like sometimes the highs are so worth it, and then the lows are a bit scary. But and I'm sure with the family as well.
0: The rejection, like you, you bring it up there, and I was gonna get there eventually. <laughs> oh, you but, were coming there with the rejection. But it's but it's so fundamental to mm. this. When I described to someone before, and they asked me who I was talking to today, and I was saying how you know people see this IMDb that is so impressive of yours, that's just incredible thing after incredible thing and also back to back to back to back work. And they don't really and they can't really take in that for all the things you're cast in, there's maybe twenty five rejections. Oh to God, eat- twenty
1: five is tiny. There's so much more than that.
0: But this is what I said to them and they yeah. were like, I guess she must really adore it.
1: Yeah, because I'm like, I mean, even this week, and there's sometimes the disappointments take you by surprise. Like this week, I got close to something that I really wanted, and I I was I actually surprised myself at my level of disappointment because there was there's other things happening, and like sometimes that can feel worse when you feel like you haven't done something in a while, and you're really it feels nearly like a I don't know like a just a lifeline to what you love doing, and then there's times when you're busy, but there's a certain project that you love and. I mean, the level of disappointment was 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 high. I really felt it. And I was like, oh. And, and, I, and I kind of allow myself to feel it And then you have to get over it. Like, give yourself a day or two to go, oh, I'm a really, bit good, good at Because you're human. Yeah. And then you kind of have to move on. But I think moving on gets easier.
0: Right. Because
1: you you have to. And also, it like, it is a currency of the game. So there's no, like, nobody wants to listen to somebody wallowing. But, I mean, there's times when you feel it and... It's feeding into a time when maybe you're not busy, and then it, like you're trying for it not to affect your confidence. And other times, then you just you see it solely for what it is, and it's like i I really wanted to do that. And you know if yeah. you see it in your sight, and and it's a weird thing where the closer you get, it's great because in a way it feels like a validation, but another way then the kind of the, the steeper the fall is on the other side because you got kind of higher and closer to it. But it's funny that you say that because I I I think the more I do of this, I think it's really important to be honest about. The reality of it, because I'd hate to think that I ever was going. Oh, this is—it's easy, and I pick and choose what I want to do. Absolutely not. I've had so many close calls on jobs that would have been great, and actually may have turned out maybe not to have been. But at the time, when you're—you you're, know—you're given it all, and it takes a certain part of you because you've expended so much of yourself in trying yeah, to get you've it.
0: Invested. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and a part of you, and maybe it's a bit delusional, but a part of you has to imagine yourself doing it. To commit to... Of course, uh, to, to see to try it and, yeah. as a possibility. Yeah, yeah. So there's a part of you that feels, have to feel disappointed in that when you don't, or else you haven't maybe wanted it as much. So to want it that much, there's a the flip side of that is feeling feeling the loss. But so you, do you know, do there's get an excitement at it. in it. He, well...
0: <coughs> like I heard Kevin Hart last week talk about at a certain point he started sending gift baskets to the people that rejected <laughs> him. <laughs>
1: That's great.
0: Because he was of the opinion that like, It's a success in finding out who we don't want to work with, because if they don't want me, just like when you were, in my case, looking for a girlfriend as a teenager, that I came to the realization that if she doesn't want to go out with me, I don't want to go out with her. She sends
1: her a basket.
0: (laughs) Kevin Hart (laughs) sends them a gift basket and says, thank you. So there is a part of you that goes, right, this wouldn't have worked if you didn't think I was right for it. Wow, but that's there's, interesting. There's still part of, but you're saying that there is to properly commit to trying to get the thing. Yeah,
1: there's a part you've of you convinced
0: because... yourself that well, I don't it know, it can you've... work.
1: Well, and that it would
0: work with me in the role.
1: Maybe actually, but in truth, there's always probably a reservation going. I don't know if I'm actually properly right for this, but I know I'm in with a shot, and it could be 50-50. So if ultimately, it, goes my it way... is
0: just your version of it. Yeah, it's your not version like of it. Or I what? am. I am this character. No,
1: no. And I, I I mean, I don't I've never been an actor who's thought that way or been all consuming with things or been, you know, method with, you know, properly method with things. I I don't. And and, and often, you know, there is there's so many other extenuating circumstances that you don't even know about to do with your height or your nationality or. Yeah.
0: Can I talk about that? Because, you know, when we parallel. Things that there are no factors, like we've had Sonia Sullivan on here. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying to Sonia how awesome is it that as a as a high school student, she ran these times. Yeah. And the U.S. universities just lined up wow. and went, w- w- we'll take you because yeah, yeah, you yeah, ran yeah. Yeah. that time. You find yourself in L.A. on the verge of being cast. you are already you've done the pilot. Yeah. The pilot's gone great. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. to go to series. Yeah. And something external to what you did, because you rated highly in the pilot, has come into play. Like, like you said, height. Yeah. Ethnicity. Yeah. You cannot control. you
1: have no control. You have no control. Is and that gutting
0: or is that like, or does that actually be, make you the, feel OK? Is it the actual okay? pilot that
1: I did? Yes. Yeah. Um I just couldn't run fast. I needed Sonia Sullivan. <laughs> yeah. No, they, um, yeah, I didn't do those times. I, I didn't do the times. <laughs> so clearly, I couldn't get into it. No, it was it was weird because I didn't realise how much more that's a factor sometimes on American television, uh, and I'd never experienced anyone over this side of the pond, be it in the UK or or here. That it had that's that I didn't know that existed that you could just Meaning get replaced
0: getting cast yeah and then being told you're not
1: cast yeah I was like well, oh that's weird I I and I was really disappointed because I felt very exposed in that but the more when I was over there it was funny even the guys I was working with they're like oh what didn't know this happens in pilot season all the time, but I had never experienced it. And I was really disappointed. What do
0: they describe it as? What just fit? Is it just? Yeah, it was a certain, a
1: certain things. And I've never I never really spoke about it because I never wanted to look like I was nitpicking. But there were there were certain things that it just didn't it didn't fit. So it moved on. But it was, do you know, when I look back at that, that taught me so much now. And I mean, at the time, you know, when you're in something, you're like, why do I have to? And it was funny because we were filming threesome at the time, and it wasn't funny because I was actually really good at it, and I had to go in the next day, and I was a, I was a bit shaken by it because it was again like that we've been hearing such good stuff that I was actually kind of my my fear was going I think I have to move to LA not that I was going to get replaced yeah. in something but we had to go we were filming series two of threesome and. We'd usually be quite together. Um, but I was I was just I was a bit rattled by it and went to the next day and the lovely comedian Bill Bailey was in doing a couple of days with us and I had this really odd day where I had to be handcuffed to him for the day and it was like first thing in the morning I just said, Bill I, we have never met, but I'm highly emotional today. And he was just, it was such a weird random day and I will never forget it because we had such a great day together.
0: Perfect guy f- oh, to be in that an, moment with. He was with. like a
1: little guardian angel that had been Amazing literally man. handcuffed to me. And we had such a great day and he just kind of nearly just g- get through that. It was kind of a shock because I'd never experienced something in a professional capacity. But it, it is, honestly, it's made me a bit bulletproof to all the stuff in a, in a great way where I didn't become... I didn't become bitter about the process. I was just like, oh, I get, I get it. There is a process and you, there is absolutely no point in kind of going, I was owed something or I was this. They're, who cares? They've already moved on. Nobody is at home. Nobody over there was sitting worrying about me. Mm-hmm. So you like to survive it. And it is, it can be that cutthroat. And if you're going to sit at home and wallow and listen, you do and you have, but you have to then get over it and move forward because everything else is moving forward and you just have to just Just go. Keep going. Yeah. So
0: it is it is ancient history.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually, you know, it was the best gift in so many ways because we had Sadie that year and I don't know if we would have otherwise. And also I have a different attitude to auditioning over there now. I, 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 you know, I do it more to suit myself because I'm not going, oh, they said please like me. Yeah, it's like and and as well, I, I know the exact reason I got that because I was shooting something at home that I loved. I was accidentally there. I didn't even know it was pilot season. I went in going, this is gas. They've sent me in for a thing. So I had nothing to prove. I wasn't trying to prove anything. It was kind of nearly experimental. And you have to take so much from that because I've gone in and other times, the next year I went over, I was like turning myself inside out trying to prove something to myself that I had to, you know, recoup something. Whereas when you actually have a little bit of distance from it, you're like, none of that matters. It just, you kind of have to just know what you can do or can't do your your personal circumstances at the time, you know, and not try and turn yourself inside out for it because it's either going to work or it's not. So there is nothing that you control about it either way.
0: Yeah. What you're describing is that really powerful thing that I really struggle with, too, of not looking like you're trying. Yeah. And that kind of swagger. Totally. That, that This kind of inner confidence that like, you know, guys, if you don't give this to me. Yeah. My life's really good.
1: Yeah, and also send you a gift box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin J. Kevin Hart.
0: Kevin Hart. It's very, it, in some ways, I think it's really and funny is such a big part of your career. Like comedy, as a strand, runs from beginning to end. From West Side Story, when <laughs> your your first role where. You first turned heads in that secondary the school play. The only part that
1: wasn't a singing part.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's it's one of the funniest bits of your mm-hmm. books. It's like that funny, like funny to me does come from bringing people to your world. Yeah. And for people going, well, I believe in that world. I believe that whether it's David O'Doherty getting on stage and you're going, this guy's Plinky Plonky piano world is, yeah. is, is a wonderful escape from my own. Yeah. You say that you it taught you that. H- how do you now approach those if that was the way you did it? When you go in there, how are you getting yourself to a space where it feels a bit more like I'm in that carefree zone of...
1: It's really tough because I think if your confidence is low, it's so hard to fake that. And I've done that whole thing. I was like, I'm cool. I, I mean, I don't care <laughs> if they like me. And I care so much that they like me. Or, and I'm like trying to prove myself. It's like, well, you know, I'll get a producer session out of it. And that'll prove it. Like who cares? So, I mean, that comes with probably the last couple of years, maybe just try not to be a selfish dick about it all, in a way. And as in like, to
0: consider it from yeah, your perspective. Yeah,
1: and I think as well, the maybe the older I get, and now that I have a family and that I have a life that I care about, I just... My own willingness to expend that much energy on stuff that I cannot control. I, I don't have the... I don't have the energy for it anymore. So it's funny because it doesn't mean that I, I have this like confidence. I, I mean, I don't. It's just that I or that I care less because I I can't see that ever going away because it's so innately. I just care about what I do because I love what I do. But you're trying to get rid of this the the extra ring around where, yeah, you're trying to. Well, will they see me like this? Will they see me that like that if you can get rid of all that? Because A, you have absolutely no idea what someone else is meant to think of you, does think of you. And and at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter because, you know, some of these things are just committee decisions on stuff that like you would never be able to evaluate, even if you sat down with like so. So if you're trying to control it, you know, like you're saying about David, people just have an essence of something or you don't even something you're not even aware of that somebody that can, you know, that somebody can relate to or like or want. And there's no rhyme or reason to it, really.
0: And I guess you're also missing out on they want you to show them what they want.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: They may have a list of stuff, yeah. But uh, I remember Dylan Moran saying to me that, like, they will go, yeah. they will follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, when you show them, yeah, what your voice is and what your take on a thing is, if yeah. it's good enough, they'll divert to you.
1: And actually, that's a good point. In that, I think the more you do, and maybe it's age, or maybe it's a mixture of all these kind of the highs and lows, and the reg- and the rejection, and then the the times where you you know you feel like things are are going well, is that I think if you're true to yourself in all of it, that's when you become I I don't know, it probably becomes easier about what you what is what you have to offer. Because Mm. if you're trying to second guess what they think they might want, you're never gonna get there. So if you're true to yourself and you know, find your voice and the stuff that you like to do. I think there's just a credibility to that, that you can't fake. You can't yeah. kind of go, well, I, I, I'm I, going to think I'm cool going in this room because all that. I don't know. I think they can also smell the bang of it as yeah, well. i really because picturing nothing-
0: one of your uh, idols, Amy uh, Poehler, yeah, in of- in that way that she's very clearly I- in tune with. What she's offering and yeah. where her strengths lie, absolutely, and, and her moves.
1: There's such a great honesty to that because then you're not just trying to be a copy of something else. Like, because again, I come back to the point of like, then you're just constantly in this flux of trying to please everyone else. But if you're if she's doing it for herself and her, look at her strengths are amazing for what they are. Then she should definitely you know you know just hone that and enjoy that.
0: When you say the love and it comes up again and again here, this thing of you've got to love it. And I reverting back to how much you adore it. Yeah. When you started it and it was as a result of, you know, just completely adoring your brother uh, and. Your mom just packing you off to those yeah. acting classes because he was going, and it was handy to make yeah. the two A pickups at the same time. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I was like, let's go to
0: Do you remember what it was in the beginning that you went? Oh,
1: I fucking love this. Love this. I. It wasn't sport. Which I was like terrible at,
0: but in in acting.
1: Well, in acting, but again, if it was anything to do with drama or art, I was like deadly. No one's making me play a hockey match, so there was that. So it
0: was actually just not having to do that other <laughs> totally. shit. Totally, I
1: was like, <laughs> I'm just in the rain when it's cold. That is not my bag. Yeah. So if it was something else that was going to be fostered, I I kind of liked that idea that I didn't have to be out in the cold. Um, but no, I do you know what? Even as a young Young, I did. I mean, what did I like about it? I don't really. No, I always loved storytelling. I think that was it, and I, I liked kind of just magical otherworldliness, otherworldliness. I can't say that word. I think you got it. Like third time, (laughs) third time lucky, got there. Yeah, I kind of loved the magic and the kind of I don't know escape. Yeah, and just kind of mad roll dial stories and uh, like that's I, I loved actually. That kind of sticks out there it is
0: that's just the beginning to hear almost 60 minutes more of this conversation and hundreds more full-length Irishman abroad episodes and shows join us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad help support the creation and continuation of of this series for years to come for less than a or a month you'll gain access to all our episodes shows live events and for a limited time only everyone who signs up in the first two weeks of august will get my brand new stand-up comedy special notions 11 shot by my favorite director mike donnelly in Vicker street in march 2020 that's hundreds of hours of entertainment inspiration and laughter for less than the price of one of your fancy coffees over at patreon.com forward slash abroad. I want to say thanks to my ultrasound producer as always Brian Connolly, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible and finally to our chosen charity partner Jigsaw. Jigsaw.ie are a youth mental health charity that is changing and saving lives across all communities back in Ireland. Now more than ever they could do with your support. Go to Jigsaw.ie to see their great work, get some help with the young people in your life or maybe through a donation you can help them.